You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Third down and just to go. Defender. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. All right, what's up, Packer fans? Clayton here from Packers Total Access. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, we uh, you can do that by sending a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And uh, we have a special guest on the line today, Mr. Ryan Schlipp. Ryan, tell these people the, the secret to life, man. What, what's the secret <laughs> of happiness, all that? Oh, man, I don't know. Um I don't know. It's. Uh, I'm sorry. That's that's a big question. It's real early. I'm just gonna let that one slide past, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say we were up late night on the uh, on the family night stream, and we're a couple old men, so late night was ten thirty for us, right? Yep. Um, yep. But I think the secret to life is just sleep. It's just sleep. <laughs> there you go. That'll do it. But guys, today's show is brought to you by pristineauction.com. It's the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site with an uh, A plus Better Business Bureau rating. Auctions on pristineauction.com start at just $1, and every day there's over a 1,000 autographed items available, so you win authentic signatures at affordable prices. It's cool. Ryan, I was actually on the site yesterday, and they had a Robert Tunyon autographed jersey that went for like $31. Awesome. And yeah, I was like, I, and, and I couldn't get registered quick enough <laughs> to get it. I was so mad. But they had like these little flash auctions, which are really cool too. Um, I don't know. It's just a really neat site. Um, also, every item on pristineauction.com, it comes with a certificate of authenticity. If you guys are like me, I'm skeptic at heart. Every time I see anything that's quote unquote autographed, I'm like, okay, what is this? Is it legit? Um, everything's legit on that site. Really, really cool. What's awesome is they're actually giving away, we are giving away a signed Quay Walker jersey, guys, to one lucky listener who signs up using the code Rogers. Now, I want to explain this because there's been several people that are kind of confused. All you've got to do to enter that contest is go to pristineauction.com, click on the upper right, and click register. Okay, you're going to register as a member to pristineauction.com. It doesn't cost a penny. And there's going to be a box there that says registration code. And all you got to do is, or not even registration code, it's just going to say code, right? Put in there Rogers, R-O-D-G-E-R-S, okay? And that's going to enter you into the contest to win that Quay Walker jersey. Now, also know that your first purchase is $10 off uh, by using that same code, but make sure you top that in so you can get into that contest because I'm telling you, somebody's going to win that jersey, um, and there's not a whole lot of people who's entered it yet, which got me really excited, to be honest with you. <laughs> so we, uh, the wife signed up, I signed up, we're good to go, man. We're ready to roll. So, um, yeah, with that being said, we're going to get into the show. Again, just wanted to announce that partnership with pristineauction.com. Really, really cool site. So, Ryan, when it comes to training camp, man, it, to me, it, it kind of 
comes in three stages, right? You, you've got the non-padded, the walkthrough type stuff. Everybody's just so excited to see football players back in Green Bay, right? Yep. And then it gets to, okay, then we put the pads on. And it seems like every year, right about the time the pads go on, we have family night, which was last night. And then, of course, stage three, you're stepping into the preseason, leading to cut down day and all that. So right now we're kind of at that family night stage. We're about to get into the, the real dog days of training camp. And uh, obviously we hung out last night. Uh, watching the uh, watching the family night, and man, there was uh, there was some really really good moments, man. I had a blast watching that. First of all, yeah. having Matt and Bruce on with us, you did an excellent job uh, getting us some uh, you know plenty of videos and audio and all that stuff. But hopefully, you guys can hear this okay. Understand that it's it's uh, it's a little bit of a bad quality video anyway. But I want you to guys I want you guys to hear John Coon talk about Romeo Dobbs's catch last night. <laughs> Love it, man. We've seen this and heard this all camp. You know, for a while, Ron, it was almost like, uh, you know, Bigfoot. It was Sasquatch. We keep hearing it, but we haven't seen it ourselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's all, you know, Ray, Randall Cobb was talking about Romeo Dobbs making con, uh, contested catches. And then you see the video of him, you know, burning Eric Stokes. And when you've seen it, like you said on your pod, when you've seen it in real time, it was like, holy cow. Like, I mean, he he beat him on the release. And then Stokes didn't have the foot speed to catch up. And we all know Stokes has like world-class speed. Yeah. Um, Romeo Dobbs last night, man, it, it, he just did it again. What did you think about, about Dobbs and, and there early on? I know he caught a touchdown pass there early and then that contested catch. What do you think, man? Yeah, and I know Matt was kind of talking about it and was pointing out that I think I found three really good plays that may have even been three touchdowns, but they were all against Keandre Thomas. And obviously Keandre Thomas is a cornerback, but is not exactly um, Jair Alexander. But it, it was still just the little things. You know, one of the touchdown passes, again, you look at it and say, oh, well, it's just Keandre Thomas. Well, that's fair, but Keandre Thomas had good coverage. You know, it was corner of the end zone, and Keandre was was draped on him. He still had the body position to be in the right spot, get get the ball placed right over his hands, um, and come down with that touchdown. The other one, not only did he have Keandre beat, which you know I don't know what his speed is. For all I know, Keandre Thomas runs four two two. I I don't know, and I'm not going to look it up right now. But <laughs> he had him beat clean, and the ball was underthrown. So what does he do? He slows down. He jumps over Keandre's head grabs the ball from from behind him and just rips it down and that's that's I've seen heard about that happening at least twice in camp already so it's not just the fact that he's winning it's not just the fact that oh he's beaten you know not super great guys it's the fact that he's doing everything it's like you said he's winning on the release he's winning with speed down the field he's winning in with contested catches you know I've, I've heard over and over Stokes draped all over him um I forget who it was. It was, you know, uh, Isaiah McDuffie or something draped all over him. He's still, first of all, is getting the ball thrown at him when he's not open, and he's still coming down with it every single time. He's winning on slants. He's winning on goes. He's winning on posts and on corners. Everything he's doing, he's winning. And and not only that, the one big thing we talked about yesterday is he looks like he's been doing this for 10 years. You know, it just it, it looks so smooth. It looks so effortless, like this is boring. I'm going to go out, get this TD real quick throw the ball to the ref and just kind of go back to work. Um, you know, again, like I said, I don't, I don't want to say 
Devontae because I'm I'm not going to compare him to Devontae, but it just has that feel to it as far as a guy that, you know, this this is just this is just easy work. You know, he's he's ready for that next step. This is too easy and too small for him. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree, man. It, it's it's been a long time since I've seen a receiver come out and and in training camp. And, you know, even like when you talk about Jeff Janis and Jake Kumaro, yeah, they flashed a little. Not like this. This is different. Um, I don't remember Jordy flashing like this. I don't remember, you know, Jennings maybe. Jennings, it seemed like early on. I mean, he really, really did pop. Um, yeah, but, you know, uh, even James Jones, James Jones didn't flash like that. There's something that's different about this Dobbs kid. And, and he's not the only one, man. You know, they took multiple swings there. And uh, Matt LaFleur kind of talks about it right here about the wide receiver room, uh, just a touch. Um, let's see what he had to say. This is uh, immediately following family night last night. And by the way, we got to get this hoodie, man. This hoodie is nice. Yeah, he's done some nice things. I think he's got really good body control and body movement. Um, and, you know, he, he's a smart kid that really works at it. And all really all the rookies have done an outstanding job in that wide receiver room. You got to give Jason Grable and, and uh, as well as the veterans for kind of taking them under their wing, doing a great job with those guys. So, uh, you know, there's, they've shown a lot of flashes. It'll be interesting to see what ha happens next week in San Francisco. Yeah, no, I think what a great atmosphere for these guys that you can feel, um, you can feel the energy out there from, from our fans. And I think, uh, awesome. Good stuff. So, you know, he, he's kind of bragging on the wide receiver core, obviously the rookie wide receivers. And, and the thing that stood out to me as much as Dobbs really flashed last night, Ryan, I was to the point already where I'm like, okay, you know what? Samori Torre is probably just going to the practice squad. And then lo and behold, last night he shows up. Right. And it wasn't like a one trick pony type of thing either. I mean, he, he was he was making a couple of contested catches. He was a, a guy that was creating just enough separation. And like what Matt LaFleur talked about with Romeo Dobbs was just another trait that we didn't even mention with with Dobbs uh, there when we talked about him in the intro um, is body control. And body control is absolutely huge when it comes to playing wide receiver uh, in the NFL. But when it comes to Samori Torre, um, I don't know, man. Is your uh, is your mind changing on him at all as far as uh, him making the roster? Uh, how do you feel about Samori Torre? Do you think there's a shot that he makes the roster if we only carry six receivers? And, and obviously Christian Watson potentially going on the pup list for some short amount of time um, plays a role in that. But how do you feel about Torre after last night? Well, a couple things. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised when I went back and looked at all my training camp notes outside of – um, Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs, Samori Ture has more notes and more positive notes than anybody else. He has more than, you know, um, Sammy Watkins, granted Sammy just got there, but more than Randall, more than Amari Rogers, more than Malik and Juwan and, and Danny Davis and everybody else. Um, and he just continues to show up every day. Um, and he's only one note behind Alan Lazard being third team wide receiver. And, I think, again, similar to Romeo Dobbs, it was when I saw how he was winning and how impressive he looked, that sliding catch that was underthrown. You know, it, it just felt like one of those trust things that you've seen, some of those ridiculous balls and some of those ridiculous catches between Rodgers and some other guys, you know, where he just puts it, where the defender's back is turned and he kind of puts it low and down and he just kind of slides and catch. Just one of those silly, ridiculous touchdown catches. And um, he just felt like... 
I don't know. I mean, I, I in, in the back of my head, I'm hearing myself, and I'm like, you're just overhyping stuff. But, I mean, we've seen guys. <laughs> you know, we've been through this plenty of time. Even even watching Alan Lazard trying to get a touchdown against Jair, you know, it's you see what what work looks like, where you're really trying and and you're struggling and your your body control and all that. I mean, when you can do stuff like that and make it look easy, it's like, man, you know. And 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 again, if they just keep six, I think it's tough. Although, like you said, maybe possibly Watson starts on pup, which would leave one spot open. And then I think it really just comes down to Jawan Winfrey and Samori Ture. And I'm still leaning Winfrey, mm-hmm. but it's not because I think necessarily Winfrey's been better than Samori Ture in camp. Um, I just think they don't have a lot of guys with experience. Um, Cobb has one year. Lazard has several. Amari has kind of one. Everybody else has none. So it'd be nice to have a guy that that's been there, that's done that, that you can kind of lean on a little bit. And Jawan um, can do some different stuff. Big body guy. And the other thing is, is Ture is an easy stash. Um, he's he's raw. He's new. They haven't had a lot of time to work with him. Not sure how ready he'll be in the regular season. So it'd be real easy to to stash him on the practice squad. Nobody's going to steal him and just kind of stash him for for more long term. Um, Based on production, I think he's been a really good wide receiver. I, I just think even, you know, whether it's they're, you know, they're trying to find a sixth or even if they're trying to find a seventh, obviously if you're trying to find a seventh and you're putting Watson on Pup, um, then then it, he's going to be the guy, but I don't think that's going to happen. So it's not based on his talent because I think he's been really impressive, but just based on the reasons that I said, I think either way he's going to be a long-term play and and they're just going to end up stashing them, and then we'll revisit it next year when some of these guys end up going bye bye. You know, if 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 Randall ends up leaving, Ture could end up being sort of that number two slot behind Amari or whatever, uh, or or however they decide to use that. So um, yeah. as exciting as he is, and as much as I think, man, he really could be a this, that, or the other. We've got enough guys right now, and so I think they're just going to stash him and keep working on him and keep building him up, and he'll be sort of a future project. Yeah, and it's it's so funny, man, because we come into this season. And it, it, if you were to play this clip of us talking about, yeah, we've got we've got enough in the wide receiver room. <laughs> if you go yeah. back three months, we would. What what did they do so different? <laughs> you know. Right. But uh, let's hear from Samori Torre. This was immediately following Family Night. Yeah, definitely, definitely add some juice, add some adrenaline. Like that was one thing the coach told us to really focus on. Is just it's just another practice. You know, we should be practicing hard, whether it's fifty thousand fans out there or no fans at all. How do you feel? Uh, <laughs> uh, I felt good. You know, I wasn't really planning on doing it, but uh, all the fans were like, you know, motioning me to come. So uh, I just did it. And, yeah, yeah, I felt good. Love it. Obviously, he's talking about doing his first Lambo leap uh, there in the bowl. Um, yeah. Like you said, man, I think you hit the nail on the head. And you know me, I'm a money guy. I'm a like a, a contracts, a very front office oriented top Packer fan. And I see that rookie contract, and I go, man, those four years are valuable. But again, being a you know such a late pick, you can stash him on the practice squad, and uh, and then I believe that resets to a two year deal once he's put back on the active roster, if I remember right. But uh, regardless, we're kind of pinching pennies at this point when it comes to uh, whether we're going to get, you know, a third and fourth year out of somebody uh, off a rookie deal when they're, you know, that late of a pick. Um, The other thing that stood out to me about Family Night was Jordan Love continued to build, you know, on his uh, his strong camp. And uh, I'm not saying it's been perfect, but I think if you compare this year's camp 
to Jordan Love's camp last year. I mean, it's it's kind of night and day. But uh, let's see what Lafleur had to say about Jordan Love here. Yeah, no, he's done a nice job. I, I do think there's a little different feel in practice where you know you're not going to get hit versus the games. I'd but, say um, <laughs> certainly it's it's been promising. He's done a nice job, and I think he did it again tonight. Although I think the one deep ball down the left side, I think, or uh, maybe it was to Samori. Uh, down the field, he, he might have gotten pop pretty good on that one. But uh, now Jordan is 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 showing a lot of growth in my eyes. Yeah, and you know I, I thought the same thing, Ryan. When I seen that throw, uh, you could kind of see. I believe it was Devonte Wyatt bearing yep. down on him, and it's like, yeah, he's getting popped in a normal situation. Right. But the one thing that we can't argue is the arm talent is there. I mean, you see the placement of the ball, and and what I'm noticing too is kind of early on when they talked about Rodgers in training camp there, his first year as a starter, um, one thing that stood out to me, and it's a long time ago, but it, it, I'm telling you, I could I can remember it like it was yesterday. They were talking about him throwing the football with the nose down. Like as he's throwing the ball, when the ball comes out of his hand, the nose is almost angled down, but it's still going, you know, 20, 25 yards down the field. Uh, just that velocity, that whip, that tight spiral. Jordan Love seems to have the arm talent. Now, obviously, one of the things that come into play is, uh, you know, how you do, uh, you know, when the, when the bullets are flying at you, right? When the, when it's actual uh, game time and you've got defenders trying to kill you, um, you know, one of the things that Rodgers has done so well over the years is getting rid of the ball and and doing it in a way where he's not absorbing a, a whole lot of hits. But let's see what Jordan Love said about that, and then I want to get your take on Jordan Love. You may have to talk me back off this. Uh, off the the train here, man, because I'm telling you, I've I've got the <laughs> I'm I'm leading the charge here with the Jordan Love fan club this year. But let's see what Jordan said. Oh uh, yeah, I think this was a good end of the week. Um, a couple plays I wish I could get back, but you know, a couple good plays that we left on the field out there with a couple touchdowns, a couple big plays. So it was good. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a practice for us. It's a glorified practice. Um, you know, it's a little bit different having the fans there and being back in the stadium. Um, but other than that, you know, it's, it's not live or anything yet, so it's still practice. So it's, since the second time you've done this, it's a practice with 50,000 fans. This must be a good measuring stick for you to where you come from the last time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, just getting my second go-around back out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, having all the fans up there kind of gives you that atmosphere of a real game. Um, you know, brings the intensity up a little bit. Um, you guys have a little more juice out there, so yeah. Um, he's definitely going to get a hit on me. Um, it's going to be one I'll have to try and find a way to get off. And uh, yeah, uh, he's definitely going to get hit on. Me. Yeah, some you know I got to improve on. Um, I, I said going back to the Lions game last year when at the end, you know, a two-minute drive, I had a throw with a guy in my face that, you know, I missed, and it could have been a big play. Um, so that's something that I just looked at during the offseason. Like, I was thinking about how I have to get better and just be able to, you know, stay in the pocket and take those hits and still be able to make those throws. All right, if you could hear it up over the guy announcing in the back, there's fireworks are about to start. <laughs> but somebody was really excited about that. I imagine it was a 320-pound lineman that was jumping up and down going, guys, we're going to miss the fireworks. But, uh, you know, the the fact that he reverted back to the Detroit game last year, that kind of reminded me of Aaron Rodgers, how, you know, Aaron would just randomly pluck specific moments out of past years that and apply it to a situation that had – uh, had happened that day or in, you know, in the current moment. But what do you think, dude, Jordan Love, um, is there something to be hopped about here? 
Um, obviously, I think we would agree he's built uh, built off a little of success there, uh, you know, from last year uh, training camp anyway. But how do you feel about Jordan at this point? Yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I think. Um, there, there's a couple different things. You know, first of all, he um, he's been much better. And I think the thing that gets me excited is it's not so much that, you know, he's he's thrown some accurate passes and he's he's made less mistakes and all that stuff. It's the fact that guys like Matt LaFleur, guys like Aaron Rodgers are acknowledging that um, the things that we're missing, we're starting to see. And it's not just good and bad. It's it's fundamental things that he just was not able to do or was not quite getting in his head. He's starting to get, whether it's the velocity of the ball, the footwork, the decision-making, stuff that we don't really see. We just see the results and go, well, those results are not good enough but behind the results are fundamentals and and he was really struggling with. And, and they're saying in year three, we're starting to see it a little bit. Um, he did have two bad camps. And I think one of the hard things is I think we judge people like him, like Amari Rogers or whatever that we're skeptical of a little more harshly than other people. You know, I, it's funny because when I see Jordan Love throw a pass and it's a little underthrown, I go, Oh man, this guy's still struggling. I don't know about him, man. And then you see Aaron Rodgers just air, airmail a ball and he points at himself like, oh, my bad. And you realize the best of the best football players make mistakes. You know, guys yeah. like Aaron Rodgers are getting balls picked in camp. You know, stuff like that happens. And you got to be able to have a little bit of grace for everybody, um, including guys like Jordan Love. They're going to have some bad plays. I think he's had overall two camps that went probably more negative than positive. But um, more often than not, through what, nine-ish camps so far, including family night, um, he's, he's lit up all the other ones and, and he's looked extremely promising, very few negative plays, very, very positive stuff. So I think the only thing left to really see, um, as far as actually really believing it is I, I want to see it in a game. You know, I want to see what happens when the pressure is live, when, when he's got to, you know, have a little fear in his belly and see if he can rise to the occasion with the fans and the stands and everything. And, um, you know, sustained success it's consistency i know he can throw good balls but can you do it consistently enough and actually punch it in the end zone and then come out on your next drive and do it again um that's going to be the biggest thing for jordan love at least from from what i need to see because i've seen some good passes i just haven't seen it consistently enough Right. And the decision's got to be made fairly soon, you know, at least by next year. Right. And right. all that's going to hinge on on Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I, I hope Aaron stays for three years. That's me personally. Um, if if that does happen, then that probably means Jordan Love will be gone at some point. Um, I would much rather have a Hall of Fame quarterback uh, a couple extra years than, you know, hoping that we hit on the right guy. There'll be other opportunities to get another another quarterback, and I don't think anyone is saying that Jordan Love is a franchise quarterback with what we've seen up to this point. But at the same time, if Aaron decides this is the last year, we go on, we win the Super Bowl, and I'm speaking it, I'm believing it, and Aaron rides off into the sunset, I don't, I couldn't think of a better situation if indeed the, the coaching staff does like Jordan Love. You know, I mean, we're kind of stepping in with that last year on the rookie deal. Um, I would say don't pick up the fifth-year option. Just go ahead and extend him if he is the guy because you should be able to get him at somewhat of a discounted rate, comparatively speaking, to your Kyler Murrays and your, you know, insert a name. I mean, Lamar Jackson is about to be a billionaire, and I don't agree with it, but it's about to happen. That guy's going to get the bag. Um, and it, it, it's funny, too, because if you think back to the Favre-Rogers thing for, for a minute, um, you know, it's funny because I listened to 
Rogers talked to somebody who was doing kind of an interview or whatever, and, and they were talking about when he first started and what were you thinking when you were a young player? And he, he was saying something to the effect of, I was lucky they didn't cut me the way I was playing. You know, his first two years, he, he, he acknowledged he was garbage. He was bad in training camp. He was bad in the games. He was a really, he just wasn't getting it. And then it got to that point, because remember, you're also going through that Favre saga where, you know, he wants to come back, he wants to leave. And the first couple of years, the Packers were begging him to come back, begging him to come back. And it it got to that point where where Rodgers was getting it and something clicked, right? And the yeah. Packers saw it and everybody knew, okay, he's got something. And then Favre was playing his games. He's like, I think I want to leave. And they're like, okay, bye. We're going to turn over the keys. And he's like, I think I want to come back. And they're like, mm, no, we're going to stick with this guy because they knew they had something. So I think that's also a component, not just a matter of Rodgers wants to stay or doesn't want to stay. If Jordan Love actually takes that turn and the Packers see it and they're like, this guy's ready to go. He's ready to be our quarterback. I don't care what Rodgers says. We're not letting him go. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Jordan Love is, we're not going to let Jordan Love walk out the door for, I, I don't care what, how, what level of play. If Rodgers wins MVP again and is like, I want to stay two more years for sure. If they think Jordan Love's ready, I, I'm not saying we're necessarily going to cut him or whatever. If, if we want to pay him to sit or, or or maybe just say I'm sorry you're you're out the door. I just can't imagine any scenario where Jordan Love is ready to carry on this franchise for the next 10 20 years and we're like, "Man, we'll find another." Because we won't. <laughs> we right. will not. It's not that easy. There's maybe one per year and the odds that we're going to get that top 5 guy that's actually going to be a good quarterback is almost zero. So you cannot let Jordan Love walk out the door if he's the guy, period. No, I completely agree. And, you know, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle with all of the, the the contract talk, the voidable years, and how the, the NFL is changing. The one thing that still remains is these GMs, these front offices, are looking to put together the best roster of best players, period. It's kind of been proven now that uh, obviously the salary cap isn't fake. You know, there's a lot of time constraints that come with how the salary cap's, you know, structured. But if if there's players on your roster that you go, that's an elite player or that's a great player and we want them in our future, it's going to get done. So I think you hit the nail on the head with Jordan Love. If 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 they think he is the guy, then he will get extended and yep. you would probably choose him. I mean, if he is the next, I don't even want to say Aaron Rodgers, but let's say he's the next, insert any great quarterback, not Hall of Fame, but great quarterback. They're, yeah, they're just, just call him Herbert or something, you know? Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Could you imagine if we had Justin Herbert right now? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, he, he's not like you know. Everybody's talking about Joe Burrow and and Pat Mahomes. Herbert isn't isn't on that level, but that dude is good. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And that fan base is so excited. I, I heard you know McAfee interview their GM the other day. I think it might have been Thursday or Friday, and uh, they were just talking about you know man the fans really showed up for you guys even more than the LA Rams at their training camp and they're defending champions. And he, he was just quick to say it. It's that guy right there. It's Justin Herbert. They are yeah. stoked to watch him play. He's got all the tools and a humble human being, man. What an amazing person, you know, off the field too. So, yeah. all right, man, cool. Let's do this. Let's, uh, let's talk about the roster before we get out of here. And before we do, let's take us a quick break. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to, you know, do a pod tomorrow. The Sunday episode is going to be with Jacob and we're going to do as if we had to make final cuts tomorrow is our deadline. We're going to make those cuts. We're, we're not going to hold your feet against the fire and try to come up with an exact 53 man roster. Let's just kind of run through the roster real quick. Um, obviously last year, the Packers kept two quarterbacks. We know who those are going to be. That's yeah. Rogers and love. Um, when it comes to the running back position, just wanted to get your take on something. Let's say Hill isn't healthy. Right now, and I've been going through your camp notes, which, by the way, dude, is put together phenomenally. I love how it's simple. It's concise. You almost get a little scouting report on each player. You get all the positive and negative remarks from the training camp. You guys need to go check that out ASAP. It's really, really good. Just If you're following Ryan on Twitter, I know, uh, just click on his his Twitter account, and you'll be able to find a link there. But when it comes to running back, if we do indeed keep three and Hill isn't ready to go, I'm not saying he isn't, but I want your take – between Goodson, Taylor, and Baylor, who is your guy right now? This is one of the hardest things. Um, I've, I've almost got all four of them on the same level, just you know, because there's a sliding tier between experience and how much the Packers like him going into camp and, and the production of what guys are doing now, and everybody's on the same tier to me. So, you know, Kylan Hill is, is the guy that the Packers like. He's got special teams, he's got all this stuff, but he, he can't get on the field. So you almost have to drop him off. Patrick Taylor, I like. He came in last year, so he's got experience. I thought he did a good job when he came in last year. He graded out well. The The stats are all great. But I get the feeling the Packers don't really like him. Then he comes into camp. He has like one fumble. Then he hurts himself, so now he's out. So I, I almost want to drop him off. And so you're looking at Tyler Goodson and B.J. Baylor saying, are they just going to get handed this job? On top of that, they're killing it in camp right now. And... I want to say Tyler Goodson because every single camp note is this guy can run. What a great run. What great burst. What this, 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 this. But the thing that stands out with B.J. Baylor is at first all of his notes were blocking, which is it's fine. It's good. And and if you're going to be that third guy, maybe that is the most important thing, being able to block for Aaron Rodgers. But then you see a receiving note, a great catch out of the backfield. Okay, well, those two things are important. Then I'm watching Family Night, and I saw Tyler Goodson, I think, first – and it was a decent, you know, attempt or whatever. 
every other person that touched the ball, I think, was B.J. Baylor. It was B.J. Baylor. B.J. Da, 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 da. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm going, I know people like Goodson because he seems to be the better runner. But if you're that number three guy, and if you think what the Packers like, they want you to be well-rounded. I want to be able to put you out there first down, second down, third down, fourth down. So you need to not only be able to be a good runner, I need you to block, and I need you to catch out of the backfield. And I think right now that guy's B.J. Baylor. And, and and again, I think Tyler Goodson's a better running back, and I think he's going to have bigger plays, better plays. But the guy that maybe the Packers can trust right now is as super crazy as this sounds because he's he's he feels like he's dead last on the roster right now. But I, I can't get the feeling out of my head that B.J. Baylor might just be that guy. Yeah, and, you know, when it comes down to from a coaching staff perspective, uh, something you hit on that's really, really important there is – you, it's it's not just about getting the best players on the field. It's also about putting the players on the field where you don't have to change your game plan, especially right. mid-game. And it, it does kind of seem like Baylor might be the better choice there. But that that can't battle. And this is the thing, guys, we, we talk about. Everybody likes to say preseason doesn't matter. Everybody likes to say that, oh, it's a waste of time and it's boring. If you don't know what to look for in preseason, I could see how it'd be boring. Why ain't Rodgers out there? People are saying right. that. When you look at these running back battles, bro, that's going to be a blast. And then when you right. take into consideration the offensive line and who's fighting for spots there, that's the stuff I'm going to be looking for. I'm going to be looking at who is flashing. Does Sean Ryan's struggles continue? Does Zach Tom look like he's legit? And then on top of that, you've got these two running backs, you know, fighting for that that third spot if indeed Kylan Hill isn't healthy. And and who, who knows? Maybe this is the year they carry four halfbacks if he'll – does come off the pup and he's healthy, but we're not going to talk about receivers. We've kind of hit on that, uh, you know, way too much already. Let's talk about tight end a second, man. Daphne, Daphne's a guy I feel like really gets overlooked, and I know everybody's in love with Davis, but to me, Daphne is one of the more underrated tight ends on this yes. team. Um, he's a guy who's had playing experience. Rodgers has made positive comments about him in the past. He probably has a lot more trust than he does with Davis. Now, if Tunyon starts the year on the pup list – then I think Davis slides in there. But how do you see the tight end room? Obviously, you got Tunyon, Lewis, DeGuara. I've got Daphne instead of Davis. But if Tunyon's on the pup, Davis automatically makes that fourth fourth spot, seeing that the Packers typically carry four tight ends. But what do you think about tight end? Yeah, so the the, the really confusing thing about tight end that, that kind of annoys me, because when I do my my – camp reviews or whatever every mostly everybody else is just tier one two three four five but with tight end it's there's different types of tight ends and it, the reason it annoys me is because it, it it makes it a little bit more complicated but the problem is tyler davis he, he's really the big the big complication here because you'll see tyler davis as sort of the the number one tight end and i think it just gives everybody a a an opinion that isn't correct I don't think Tyler Davis is having a particularly good camp. Um, I've got him having, you know, kind of 50-50 on, on decent notes. He's not blowing up the way, you know, he, he's not meeting that expectation that everybody set for him. However, like you said, if Tunyon's down, not only does he make the roster, but it's not even like he slides in on the bottom. I think it's, if you look at the different types of tight ends, he is a Robert Tunyon. He is right. sort of that that receiving tight end number two so he takes Tunyon's job when Tunyon is out. So then you got Mercedes Lewis, and then you got Josiah DeGuara. Those are three different types of tight ends. You got your H-back, your inline blocker, and your receiver. So yes. with, with Tunyon out, Tyler Davis isn't the, you know, the, the number one tight end over everybody else. He's, he's the number two 
receiving tight end that's going to take that job. Um, and yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right about Dominique Daphne. Um, the, the biggest thing too, that you really got to pay attention to, if you want to get these 53s, right, is it's not a matter of who we like, it's who the Packers like, and they really like this guy. Um, they have since day one. It's always, it's one of those things. If you find yourself saying, why is he always out there? I don't understand why I keep seeing that guy's name. Those are the guys you got to pay attention to. And Daphne's that guy. The Packers keep force feeding him. They keep putting him out there. And then again, if you look at camp, you know, just going through my notes, Mercedes Lewis, zero positive notes, Josiah DeGuara, three, Tyler Davis, three, Alizé Mack, three, Sal Canella, one, Dominique Daphne, five. And he has, you know, less negative notes than just about everybody else, too. He's he's really making a big Im- impact in camp quietly. You know, I mean, again, nobody's talking about it, but he's quietly does a good job in the regular season, quietly does a good job in the offseason. The Packers really, really like the guy. Um, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where he's sort of a Josiah DeGuara number two, but he also maybe is liked a little more. So it's like we don't want to push Josiah out because, you know, he's more capable. We drafted him in the third round, but um, I think he kind of fills that role maybe a little better than Josiah does, which makes me sad, but very capable blocker, very capable receiver. And so I think I think he's more or less a lock no matter what. But, um, yeah, the, the complication is Tyler Davis, and, and I think it's been a, a, a bit of a disappointment just because – I didn't really see anything in Tyler Davis. I didn't really know anything about Tyler Davis, but everybody's hype. He's going to be so good. We got something special. And then the training camp starts, and it's like, okay, where is this guy? He hasn't done anything. So I think he's basically just a Robert Tunyon replacement. I think if Tunyon comes back, I don't want to say necessarily he gets booted, but I also don't know that there's a place for him. And that'll be an interesting thing, too, is is do they just bump Tyler Davis down, or would they actually get rid of Dominique Daphne to to make room for Tunyon? And I, I – I struggle with that, man. I think they like Daphne too much. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, <clears throat> offensive line, Rashid Walker. Um, what's been your take on Rashid Walker? Because, you know, obviously, me again, loving that rookie contract, four-year deal. But, I mean, am, am I wrong in thinking that you just really haven't heard about him much? It, it doesn't seem like he's getting too many reps in training camp, especially with, you know, some of the starters and that. It just doesn't seem like they're – they're going to march him out there. I think he's probably going to be a practice squad guy personally. But, you know, what it comes down to is obviously is, is Bakhtiari and Jenkins healthy. It, it, the way I see it, Bakhtiari will start week one. I have no reason to think otherwise right now. If he doesn't, then it's probably over for Bach. I just I honestly feel that way. Uh, Jenkins, I think, is going to come back a little bit later. He's going to start on the pup list most likely. But with that being said, the two names that keep popping up in my mind is Rasheed Walker and Cole Van Lannan. Um of those two, if you had to pick between those two, are you going Cole Van Lannan or are you going to kind of uh, jump on the uh, the rookie contract there with Rasheed Walker? Yeah, that's an easy Cole Van Lannan for me. Um, you know, R- Rasheed is, like you said, he's a rookie. He started off injured, so he hasn't really done much. I haven't heard his name hardly at all. You know, Cole Van Lannan for a while was getting, um, you know, first team, second team, right tackle looks. He's also been getting looks at at right guard. I don't know that I've heard Rashid Walker's name once, really, <laughs> to be honest. Right. Um, and, and and similar to Ture, you know, I know Ture has, has made an impact, whereas Walker hasn't. But I think he's an easy stash. I think he's a long-term play. You know, down the line, we're going to be losing some guys. Bakhtiari eventually is going to go. Yash is eventually going to go. And similar to Yash, you know, it was, it was one of those long-term projects where we know he's got the tools, and if he can put in the work, maybe in year three, he's going to really do something. But 
you know, I've, I've got these tiers and everything else. If you just look at my right tackle tier, Elton Jenkins, then Yash Nijman, then Royce Newman, then Zach Tom, then Cole Van Lannan, and then I, I just heard Caleb Jones was getting a crack at it. And I have not heard um, Rashid Walker's name once. But again, that's six guys already there at, at competing for that right tackle spot. Left tackle, I only have four, but still it's Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Nyman, Zach Tom. Even if you want to call him tackle five, there's no way. He, he doesn't crack anywhere. I don't think he's... It, I don't think anybody sees him as a potential guard necessarily. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it's just not necessary. We have so many guys. Every single one of these these tiers, I have at least four, or you know, between four and six. And so it's just there isn't a need to push him on the roster at all. He's an easy stash. He's a long term project, and he's got a ton of upside. So I think you just you just get him as much work now, stash him, come back next year, keep working on him, and. As we start to lose some guys, he's that guy that kind of rises up to the top and eventually maybe fills that Yash Nyman role. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I've got one last topic I want you to hit on. I'm going to let you get out of here. I know you got family stuff to do, and I, I really appreciate your time. And if you haven't caught on, me and me and Jacob are going to do kind of a mock 53 tomorrow, and I'm cheating big time. I hope he doesn't hear this <laughs> podcast until, <laughs> until after we do ours tomorrow. But Quay Walker, um, I, I think we're leading – the we're the the president and vice president of the Quay Walker fan club here. Yeah, the dude is just he looks like a pro ready linebacker, and none of us seen it coming. We we sat th- we poured over draft information all year long, and I'm looking at Dean. You know, was it Nicobe Dean? I believe. You know, he was on the. I'm I'm going. Why would they take Quay Walker? Look at this picture I've got on my screen. Can you see this picture right now? Yep, dude. Look at this guy. That's crazy. <laughs> he does not. For let me explain it to the listeners. I keep forgetting this is not on video, but you've got Eric Stokes, Devontae White, and Quay Walker all standing there with their Georgia arms. Boys, yeah, yeah, the Georgia guys. And I'm telling you right now, if you looked at this picture and said which one's the rookie, you would not think it was Quay, Quay Walker. <laughs> you know, obviously Devontae White's a rookie too, but he's a defensive lineman. Quay looks like a freaking giant. The proportion, everything. I mean, look at look at this guy's arms. He makes right them here. look so small. Devontae Wyatt does not. Not only has he got like four inches on him, it looks like, but if you look shoulder to shoulder, they they got about the same girth almost. I mean, he, he's got obviously less body fat, but yeah. he he is like the jolly green giant. That's insane. It's crazy. I mean, look at the arm size compared yeah. to Wyatt. Like, yeah, he's he's a specimen. But tell me about it, man. What do you what do you think about what Quay has has shown up to this point? I mean, he's going to step in. And he is going to play, I mean, probably, I mean, I'd be surprised if he ever comes off the field. I mean, obviously, when you right. when you go into that dime and that dollar look, I don't know how creative they're going to get with him, but they, they definitely believe he has the athleticism to cover the seam. So we've seen a lot of things last night with family night. And one particular play that you and I talked about uh, was was that, that run defense play where I think it was to Aaron Jones, and you could see Quay or you could see Devondre Campbell immediately jump into the A gap and play Jack Backer. And Quay just so fluidly, one half a step back, slides all the way to the left laterally. He literally moves laterally faster than I could ever run just in a straight line. And then he's in the hole. It's a lateral shift, post snap, bam, attacks the hole. 
And it would have been, you know, it, it, probably no game, maybe a one-yard loss in a real game situation. But talk to him about Quay Walker and what you've seen this camp, man. It's funny now that you mentioned that I had forgot back in the day when I was – after we drafted him, you, you're binging a bunch of his highlights and everything else. I completely forgot that that was one of the things that stood out in my mind is his ability to run laterally, to kind of strafe to the side with speed. I mean, you've got a running back sprinting to the sideline – He's facing the running back, but still sliding sideways, strafing as fast as that guy's moving and meeting him at the hole. I completely forgot about that, but he does have that ability to square his shoulders and still fly down the line and meet the guy there. Um, I think Quay Walker is the most under underappreciated and, and under-talked-about prospect of anybody. Um, he, he is like Romeo Dobbs, but more so on the defense. And the reason I say more so is, not only is he a guy that has shown up and produced every single day since day one, but he's also got the the element of the Packers are going to force feed the guy. They're going to put him out there no matter what. Dobbs is, he's impressive, but we're not sure what role he's going to have. Maybe he's the number four, or maybe he's the number two. Maybe he'll be the number one if he fights for it. Quay doesn't have to fight. Right. Quay since day one, you know, pick picture Romeo Dobbs, but Romeo Dobbs was a first round pick. You know what I mean? It's, it's, we like you a lot. We're going to put you out there. And he has performed similar to Dobbs, but it's not as flashy, so you don't hear about it. But he's just he's just been a dominant player, flawless player since day one. He's been everything you could ever want. Um, again, it's not as exp- exciting, so we don't talk about it. But I just think he is going to be the biggest impact. And and if you think about that, you know, think about all the rookies we've had and and the impact that they've had. I I, I don't know. And this is this is gonna, you know, again, I, I hate when I sound like this because it's like you're you're sounding like an idiot. You're overhyping these guys, but think <laughs> about what Jair gave us in year one. He was fine, but he wasn't elite. You know, you think about Rashawn, he didn't play a ton. Even these guys that that eventually became real good, the, the impact wasn't a hundred percent there. I think his impact as a year one rookie is gonna completely blow everything else away. He, he again, he reminds me of Dobbs in the way that he just looks like he is a veteran. He's been doing this for years. He's not missing a beat. He's not getting correction. It's not a matter of, hey, you were supposed to do this. You were supposed to do that. Everything he did at Georgia seems to be translating just f- flawlessly. And um, I don't think he's had a bad day. You know, and, and, and one of the biggest things is hearing Aaron Rodgers say, you know, when I, when I look at that defense and how great it's looking, the one guy that stands out to me is number seven, Quay Walker. And again, that's on a team with Kenny Clark, with Devontae Wyatt, with Rashawn Gary, with Eric Stokes, with Preston Smith, with Adrian Amos, with Jair Alexander. All those guys are out there, and Rodgers is saying, I'm watching the defense, and the one guy that keeps standing out to me is Quay Walker. We are not appreciating this guy enough, I'm telling you. Yeah, I I agree, man. I'm watching it. I've got it on loop here. I'm sure you can see it. It's just... I know it's one play, but you've heard about it all camp. And just the the pre-snap recognition and just how it just looks like he and Devondre Campbell are like it, – it's like mentally they're connected on this play. They know exactly yep. where each other are going to be. And, and it takes me back to the comment that, that Devondre made, you know, earlier in, in camp. It said, you know, yeah, he's, he's, he's asking me a bunch of questions, but he doesn't need to. The kids already got it. You know, I yeah. think he tweeted that out. I'm very, very excited for that because you guys know um, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, to me, the most important positions 
on the defense. My elite defensive positions are nose tackle, or middle linebacker, and free safety. Those are the two. Those are the three spots that I feel like you need great football players at if you're going to have a great defense. Um, after that, you know, obviously corner, um, you know, edge or I'm sorry, edge rusher is is definitely in that elite. Um, but it's the only elite on defense. And then that second tier is nose tackle, middle linebacker, free safety. And yeah. if we if we went out and got a middle linebacker, Ryan, that lasts us for the next 10 years. I mean, yeah. someone who can – I'm not saying he has to be as good as Bobby Wagner in his prime. I'm not saying he has to be as good as Luke Keekley, But if he's on that second tier of talent – Bro, I don't, I don't, I don't know if AJ Hawk ever played at that level, and, and I feel like AJ Hawk was a great linebacker. Yeah, and, and can you do me a favor? I know this is audio, but can you blow that up one more time? Just yeah, absolutely. That that play. You know, one of the things I've always said about linebackers because everybody's interested in forty time and all that stuff. Speed has a lot to do with intelligence. Give me a guy that's got four, you know, four six speed, but has the intelligence. This guy is moving before the ball is snapped. he It's almost like he knows the play. He knows where he needs to be. Um, and then as soon as the ball is snapped, he starts going a lot faster, and it looks like he takes about three steps to be in the hole. It's so fluid. It's so simple. It's so easy. But the biggest thing, though, is just the intelligence. And, and that's yeah. what coaches talk about all the time, too, is you got to get guys where they're not thinking because that's when the speed really shows up. And that's what it is with Quay. It's, it, he's not a... It's not like he runs a, a 4240 or anything stupid. He's got decent speed, but it's not the most crazy thing we've ever seen in our lives. But the speed shows up on the field when you don't have to think and when you can anticipate. I, I, uh, I it reminds me of, of Ray Lewis. You know, Ray Lewis was obviously known for his power and all that stuff. But I went back, you know, several months ago or whatever, watching some of his highlights. And it's like he knew the play before it happened. And as soon as the ball was snapped, you'd see him sprint just full out sprint in a direction and it was always in the right direction. And so it doesn't matter if, if he's up against a guy that's got a lot, a faster 40 time because he's 10 steps down the line. While as the other linebackers trying to think what's going on and all the misdirection is you look at Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker in this play. It's almost like that the offense told them to play. They yep. knew exactly where they were supposed to go. They were like, just, they were, they were creeping in that direction. And as soon as the ball snapped, it's just boom, they got there and and Quay was in position. He's he's locking up the offensive lineman. And Quay's just standing in the hole, like, come on, man, hurry up. I got we got to get to the next play and just meets him there and, and brings him down. It's that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited. Forget the guys that, you know, when the ball snapped, they're trying to figure it out and they're they're doing all this stuff. And then they try to sprint down there and oh man, you know, Roquan's got speed to get there eventually. But it's the guys that can see everything and know exactly what they're supposed to do. And the second that that ball is snapped, they're flying in that direction. Those are the guys that end up making great football players. I don't give a you-know-what about your 40 time. I want to know that the intelligence is there, especially for a linebacker. And seeing him on this play do that, already creeping in that direction, and as soon as the ball snapped, he just flies exactly at the angle he needs to be at to be in the exact spot to be able to bring the guy down. That's the stuff that gives me chills, man. Yeah, and here, we're going to really nerd out here. And like I said, I know, <laughs> I know people can't see this, but I want to explain something here. I want you to watch from the beginning of the play here, Ryan. You're going to see on the pre-snap motion from the tight end, watch the edge defender is going to bounce out. He knows I've got to set the edge. So he's setting the edge. Devondre's taking the A-gap jackbacker role. They're in a 34 look, right? And I'm going to show you something here that got me really excited. Check this out again. When Quay Walker, when they make that shift, right, watch Quay Walker's arm right here. 
look how he's communicating yeah, with the safety. Yeah, you're right. And what he's telling the safety is, I'm shooting my shot. Okay. He knows he knows Devondre Campbell is going to cut anything off inside. This guy just set the edge. I'm shooting my shot. You clean it up, dude. I mean, that's a rookie communicating right. with the safety. And, he's, and he's, he's a field even, general. He's telling everybody what to do. Yeah, and he's not even the one who's calling the plays in the right. huddle. That's Devondre. It's amazing. Like it, you, you're going to have two defensive captains, two field generals yep. in the middle of that that defense this year. That that blew my mind when I seen him raise that arm. He's telling that safety, and you can see the safety as soon as he raises his arm, Ryan. You can see the safety. He he immediately. Let me get back to it here. He immediately shifts. He raised that arm and watch what the safety does. It's just a little half a step outside. See, he's sitting flat footed. The safety is. Yep. He gives the mo- he gives the signal. The safety immediately. See how they move together? Yep. Yep. They both Dude. start sliding. I love it. Love it. Dude, we haven't seen it in so long. I'm so excited. Right. <laughs> yep. Awesome, dude. Well, we've nerded out enough, man. And I know you've got <laughs> family time that you need to tend to. So, bro, I can't I can't thank you enough. This is like therapy for me. I'm gonna start calling it Saturdays with Schlip. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and cancel the the uh, the therapy I'm already taking. And this is going to be it, man, because, bro, when we when we get into even preseason football and being able to do this type of stuff and, and kind of break plays down together, I, I wish we could provide this visually to uh, to the listeners. But at the same time, man, it, it is a podcast. Um, but this is fun, dude. As always, thank you so much for last night, too, man, for the invite. Yeah. Um, thank dude, you. We, we had <laughs> – it was just it was awesome to have to have Matt and Bruce drop in and just hear Matt give Bruce heck all night, right? That's always worth yeah. it. And then and then on top of that, you know, we had guys, we had, you know, uh, Packer owner Bobby called in live stream from the front row in the end zone at Lambeau Field. Then we had uh was it Dylan, I believe? Who was it that, that called in? I can't remember his name. It's Blake's dad. I know that on Twitter. Um right. but he he jumped in with us. So you get a little bit higher view of Lambeau Field. Just the coverage was amazing last night. And just having a front row and, and a front row seat and being able to experience that with the listeners and and obviously uh, hanging out with you, dude. It was a blast. So thank you so much for your time, man. As always, uh guys, we'll go ahead and wrap the show up there. I'm not even sure how long we went. I got so excited about this segment. I didn't set the timer. I didn't do anything I was supposed to, but hey, that usually makes for a pretty good show. So Everybody, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to hop on out of here. We'll be doing a show tomorrow. We'll give you kind of an extremely early uh, 53-man roster with me and Jacob. We're going to include injuries and kind of if everybody who's on the field right now, um, you know, was on the field and the ones who weren't, weren't, we're going to set our 53. And then you can kind of adjust and prioritize as guys come off the pup list and all that. Because I really do. I, I think Bakhtiari will be ready. It's either that or he's done. And what's cool is – um, either way, it sucks for him, but at the same time, man, this uh, this front office has done an excellent job putting putting pieces in place that I don't think any of us would be devastated. So, Ryan, thank you for your time, dude. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go Pack Go.